Welcome to Brave Dynamics. This is your host, Jeremy Yao. Leadership is harder than it looks. As a proven founder and Harvard MBA, I interview courageous entrepreneurs, executives, and investors every week. I also share my frontline experiences, coaching insights, and own professional development journey. If you're stepping up as a new leader, founding a startup, or venturing into the great unknown, this is the podcast for you. Jeffrey Andika is CEO and co-founder of Autospector, Indonesia's number one online platform for used cars inspections, certifications, and warranties. In one of the world's largest car markets, Autospector has conducted the most retail and B2B vehicle inspections and is currently building the largest dealer network of certified used cars with warranty protections. Their strategy is similar to rapid growth startups like SureSale in the US and AutoInspect in India, which is to organize and standardize independent dealers via the certification of their inventory to increase profitability and customer experience. They are backed by Plug and Play Tech Center, an accelerator and early stage investor headquartered in Silicon Valley with portfolio companies such as Google, PayPal, and Dropbox. Previously, Jeffrey has spent many years consulting for Black Box Software and SunGuard Consulting Services in Dallas. Jeffrey holds a Bachelor of Business Administration and Information Systems from the University of Texas at Austin. You can connect with him at linkedin.com slash in slash jandica. Hey, Jeffrey, good to have you on board. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're doing some incredible work in Indonesia and the used car market. So very interested in hearing you share your journey to everyone. I would love to. Yes. I've seen you pitch. I've seen you wheel and grow your business over the years. Tell us more about who is Jeffrey and your journey to being the CEO. <laughs> Maybe... I would start way back, maybe when I just graduated high school. I graduated high school in 2004. At that time, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just uh, knew that uh, I wanted to do something in business. And I went abroad to get my degree. At that time, my, my thought was, computer is getting important. You, you need to understand computer and you need to understand business. And the uh, combination of those two is basically information systems. That's the major that I, that I went in in college. My first internship was at Dell, and it was an IT project manager. And I didn't like it, to be honest. It's basically a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings, a lot of like, you know, like you have to manage these developers, programmers. Got a chance to do another internship. I was a forensic, IT forensic at Ernst & Young. It's, it's, it's about the same. It's not a technical role. After those two internships, I thought, well, I want to get into a more technical IT job because if later on you want to become an IT project manager, like CTO or something, you need to at least understand what the developers or programmers are doing, right? So I went back, took some more computer science classes. After I graduated, I got my first job as an IT consultant, a technical IT consultant at this company called SunGuard. It's based in Dallas, Texas. And what they do is they build custom applications. And one of the one of the clients that I worked 
I built an application is auction company. It's the second biggest auction company in the U.S. and I built an inspection system for them. After SunGuard, I decided that it's time for me to go back and look for other opportunities here. After coming back to Indonesia, what did you do? So the story was I didn't go back to Indo for like about five years maybe. And after five years, I decided to go back just to check out, you know, what's going on, right, and see my families. During the vacation at that time, I was watching TV, like, in, in the family living room with my brother, my, my parents, and I saw this ad comes on on TV, and it was an ad for uh, tokobagus.com. It's the first classified in Indo. I, I didn't know that at the time, right, when I saw the ad, I was like, hmm, this is interesting, interesting website, right? And then I go to my laptop and check it out, and it's, oh, it's, a, it's an online classified. It's like, it's basically Craigslist, right? And in the U.S., Craigslist would never even think about putting an ad on TV. And based on that, I thought, wow, this is interesting. You know, like maybe the tech industry, Indo, like startup industry is going to get hot in the coming years. And based on that, I went back to the U.S. and I told my boss, hey, I'm, I quit going back to Indo. <laughs> and my ex-boss, he actually already went back to Indo like maybe like a year earlier. I contacted him and he said, hey, you know, like, great, you're coming back. I have this software house company. It's an outsourcing company. You can help me out, you know, build the developer team. And that's what I did for the first, like, maybe six to eight months in Indo. So I didn't have any idea that I was going to start a company at the time. I would just, just go back and see what happens. That's amazing. Now that you've grown this company to where it is today, how and why do you find leadership important? I think leadership is very important because, I mean, leadership, it's, it's many things, right? But one of the most important things is leadership gives direction. It gives, it directs whether it's a company or a team where you go. And um, no matter how good, you know, like your the execution or how fast the company goes, and nowadays companies are pushed to go fast, right? But if, the, if you're going in the wrong direction, then the company or the team is not going anywhere, right? The analogy would be someone like who's driving a car. If you're driving a car and you want to get somewhere, you need to get the correct map first, right? Once you get the correct map, then you can get to your destination. I guess a good example would be something that Autospector. I think early last year, we partnered with one of the biggest used car classifieds in Indo. The partnership went, went very, very good for like one year. In June this year, they decided to cut us off and started their own inspection service. And the team at the time, they really panicked, right? They're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Should we like study how they do inspection, study their pricing, etc. you know? And the direction that I gave to the team was that, you know, we have more experience in this uh, field, right? And we should just keep uh, focus on our direction, which was to develop our warranty program and get more dealer partners, build our own de- certified dealer network that actually helps the company to be where it's at now. 
Awesome. And how did you first get started on the used car market as a problem to solve? So back to the story when I went back to Indo. When I went back, I didn't have any car. I need to go, I need to have a car to go to my uh, office because it was like really far. And if you've been to Jakarta, the traffic is really really bad. I mean, and the public transport is also bad. So you you need to have have your own car pretty much and or motorcycle. So I thought, well, I'm I'm gonna get get a car, but I don't want to buy a new car. Because I bought a used car in the U.S. and I thought it's it's a car because car is not an investment, right? It it depreciate. So buying a used car is actually I thought it was a smart move, and I thought the process was really horrible. The process was horrible. Uh, I I did get a crappy car when I bought my first car here. I already took the car to a like repair shop to get it checked. Even even after that, the car broke down in just like one week. The car broke down in one week. It stayed at the shop for like i don't know maybe two weeks to a month went back to the dealer and dealer said well you know i cannot do anything you know it's it's sold as this there's no warranty so (laughs) okay (laughs) okay Um, good to know you and just went on (laughs) so based on that and and my my partner which is my brother he told me the same thing he's been in indo for like he's six years older than me and he told me he never buys used car because uh, he's afraid that the car is not reliable. And I saw an opportunity here, right? You know, there is this trust issue within the used car market that I need to solve. And I want to help people, you know, not get a crappy car, basically. Amazing. I mean, it sounds like I would have a terrible time buying a used car. I would definitely use your service instead of trying to buy a used car in Indonesia. So kudos to you for helping so many people. What hurdles have you personally overcome? Uh, hurdles. When I started Auto Spectre, there's definitely many hurdles. I didn't think it's going to be this hard when I was going to start Auto Spectre. One of the examples would be when you just start a company, you don't have, I mean, you, you're bootstrapping with your own money. I mean, some, some people do get investors' money without even any tractions, but that's unheard of nowadays. But uh, for Auto Spectre, we bootstrap. So we need to save basically every penny that we can, right? So when we start our Spectre, we know we want to do a lot of digital marketing. We cannot hire an expert in digital marketing because that's going to cost a lot of money. So you have to do, I had to learn it by myself. Watch YouTube, watch tutorial. And then after digital marketing, you have to learn how to fundraise. That was my first time, first time experience fundraising. Didn't know what a term sheet is, you know, how it works, what are the terms. You have to learn it. Building your own like sales team, recruiting. Yeah, so you have you have to learn a lot. And that's opportunity. Opportunities definitely. But that's one of the hurdles, I would say. And another thing would be hitting a plateau. Let's say if you did something for the first time, let's say you did something uh, last year, right? You did a marketing campaign and it, uh, let's say, doubles your sales. If you did the same thing this year at the second time, you will not get the same result. For instance, when we just started AutoSpector Instagram, we hired an influencer to endorse Inst- AutoSpector. And the follower at the time was 7,000. 
And when we hire the influencer, it doubles to 14 to 15,000. Once we hit like 85,000 followers and hired another influencer and even like it only adds like 2,000 or 3,000 followers. So you have to keep, keep thinking, be creative, be innovative and just find different channels, different ways to, to grow your business because that's the holy grail, like growth, grow the company. So what support or resources are available for others looking to build a startup in Indonesia? I would say the ecosystem is not mature, but there's definitely support for startups. Like for me, for instance, after our six months, I got into an accelerator program called Plug and Play. It's an accelerator. It's, it's based off Silicon Valley. And they're not the first one. Right? There's many accelerator program, many incubator program. So there's definitely support and community around startup. The challenge in the startup in Indo, would, I would say, would be the human resource. Because in order to build a good startup, you need a good human resource in the tech industry, right? Good developers, good programmers. And I would say at the moment, I mean, it's, it's getting better, definitely, but it's not there yet. So you see a lot of in Indonesian startups, they use developers from, I think, Vietnam or India, because it's, it's hard to get a good IT developer here. What's the state of technical talent in Indonesia? How does one go about building a startup like the way you have done? Since I had a technical background, so I did everything myself when all the specters started. As we're growing, we're at the stage where we're trying to hire technical talents. And that's where I found difficulties here. Hiring uh, good technical talents because you're competing with all these unicorns, right? Like you have Gojek, you have Tokopedia, and they're, they're paying huge salaries to the good programmers, technical talents. I think one of the options is to go abroad. I know startups that you know use developers in Vietnam, for instance, or in India. That's one option. Another option is there is uh, a lot of coding boot camps in Indonesia right now, and that definitely helps add to the supply of the technical talents here. Another option is to hire a fresh graduate. So you, you probably get one of very experienced IT talent, right? And once you get that first one, then you build a team using fresh grad and train, train them as you grow the company. Those are the three options usually. And for me, I was lucky because when I uh, worked for eight months here, my coworker was a very good experienced Android developer and he's my CTO now. Better to be lucky than all other things, right? So you've had the opportunity to live and work in both Indonesia and in America. How would you compare the two markets for the technology and startup landscape? You know, you talked a little bit about the maturity of the ecosystem. You've talked about the deferring, you know, services being launched in the market. Uh, when I was in the US, I was not in the startup scene. I was working as an IT, you know, technical talent. I was working for this company that builds custom apps for these companies, right? But I was uh, actually far from the Silicon Valley scene, startup scene, I would say. But 
the major difference is back to that the human resource, the talents. Let's say, for instance, right in Indo, if if you say, okay, I'm, I'm building a a blockchain industry with AI powered, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I would think twice about is this true or not, right? It's, it's, it's really hard to find that deep high tech talent in Indo, whereas in the U.S., it's something very common. Like, what common myths? Are there about the Indonesian used car market? Common misconceptions, which something that I had when I before I started Autospecter, was every used car dealers are scammers. They're trying to sell you crappy car and basically scam you out of your money. And after running Autospecter for four years, we have started to you know partner with all different dealers, and I found that to be actually not true. People in Indo, for instance, they prefer to buy from a user instead of dealers because they think, oh, dealers, they, that's what they do. They sell cars. They know how to cover up the damages without even repairing it. After running AutoSpect for four years, I didn't find that to be true. There is a, a small percentage of used car dealerships that do that. They sell cars that has been in accidents or flooded, etc. But it's a small percentage. And this small percentage, I believe, gives a bad rap to the whole used car dealerships because there are many dealerships that are, you know, they're trying to build their reputation. They're selling good cars. They don't try to scam you. They just they're doing good, honest business. You know. How do you think the Indonesian car market compares to the U.S. car market in terms of history? Is it like you'd look at it as、uh, Indonesia is going to catch up with the American car industry in the next ten, twenty years? Compared to America, definitely we're far, far behind. America is the first world country; it's very developed. I forget the number, but the the car transaction in America maybe twice or even triple the car sales in Indo. I believe Indonesia is definitely growing. It's a growing economy, right? Our economy is getting better. There is definitely growing middle class, and growing middle class means more cars going to get bought. And I believe the market will definitely grow、uh, to be the same as America, maybe fifteen to twenty years, maybe. I definitely believe the the motorcycle penetration is very very high. The car is not there, but as the income is growing, people are going to start to switch from motorcycle to cars, and that's what going to fuel the growth of car ownership. Indonesians love cars, right? I mean. You know, every time I visit Indonesia, it's a massive traffic jam. I'm always mind blown because the traffic jams are so insane, and people are still buying more cars. You know, so you know, help me explain what you know. The first thing you did when you got home was to buy a car.、So、tell me more. Why? Why? Why do people love cars? I would say it's two things, right? First one, Indonesia is not pedestrian friendly. It's hard to walk in Indo. That's definitely that's the first factor, and the second one is also the public transport. Public transport is not managed very well, I would say. Jokowi he built the first monorail, LRT, MRT, right? It's it's definitely an improvement, but the culture, at least in Jakarta, people are so used to driving their own car. That's another, I guess, hurdle that Jokowi has to overcome. You know, like how to get people out of their car to use the public transport. You know, like when I went back to Indo, I live in East Jakarta, and my office is like the West Jakarta. 
Even with cars, it took me like two and a half hours one way. If you use public transport, it's maybe like five hours. <laughs> you know, two and a half is already bad. What trends do you see with Indonesians and you know urban mobility? Right, I mean, you know, globally, we're seeing so many scooters. You know, we hear about staying home and maybe people staying further away from work. Do you feel like these trends are impacting Indonesia, or is it going to continue being car heavy in terms of the focus? I think the, I think it's still gonna be car heavy in Jakarta. Like, let's say, for instance, right, the public transport is getting better. People might uh, use that for their daily commute to work. But in Indo, I mean, the mindset even even till this day, they, some some people still think that car is an investment, right? It's uh, it's a luxury. It's an accomplishment in your life to to buy a car. For instance, right, in in Indo. The used car sales always spikes up before the uh, Lebaran. The Lebaran is like the biggest uh, Muslim holiday, and people they they go back to their to their city to their country, and they always feel that I want to buy a car and show that I own a car to my family back home. They consider that as a prestige, and I don't think that's going anywhere. And people are still gonna gonna own cars for that reason and for weekends when they want to go with their families, they would prefer to drive their own car instead of taking public transport. The middle class seems to keep growing. What do you see them buying more of in the decade to come? You know, cell phones definitely. Cell phones. They would uh, buy car. They would buy property in Jakarta. The property is uh, very very expensive. It's definitely something they, they want to buy once their economy getting better. And people in Indo, they think family is number one. I guess that's common in all Asian culture, maybe. So definitely more family needs. For so many founders, they're always being told, go look at Indonesia, 300 million consumers. You have to expand there, you know. And so I have American founders looking at Indonesia, to expand as a market, you know, Singaporean founders are being asked to go to Indonesia. And, you know, you're on the other side, right? You're watching everybody come in. Or, you know, what do you think about that? I think it's definitely interesting. You know, like Indonesian market is definitely huge. I think lucky to be Indonesian because, you know, being a local guy gives you the, a slight advantage, I would say. Because you know the culture, how people operate here, I would say. But Indonesia is definitely unique. And we, people said that it's unlike any other market. For instance, like Tokopedia. It's something that's, I would say, unique. In America, you have uh, Amazon. Amazon is like Blibli. Blibli.com is it's a, an e-commerce, kind of like Amazon. But it doesn't take off as big as Tokopedia. And that's something that people probably wouldn't guess. For people from abroad, they need to do some adjustments to the market here. I've heard a common warning by my Indonesian friends that Indonesia is not Jakarta. Indonesia is a big country. Could you explain a little bit more about what that means? Even I have that faulty mindset because people, they, 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 they said, don't be Jakarta-centric, you know, because Jakarta, when you see Jakarta, buildings everywhere, internet connection is 
you know, I would say pretty good. You know, it's, it's quite different if you compare that to, let's say, Papua, right? Last time I heard, I don't know if that's true still now, the electricity is cut off every 12 hours or so, I believe, right? I think up until maybe two or three years ago, like gas prices in Papua is like three or four times higher. It's always good to think that Java and Jakarta is definitely the center, but you have Sumatra, you have Kalimantan, you have uh, Maluku, etc., right? And there's this untapped market that you need to think of. For instance, my friend, he, he owns a light bulb company. If, if you only think Jakarta, right, you're like, oh my God, the market is so saturated. You have this, this uh, brands from uh, other countries like Philips, you know, other well-known brands, right? But he thought that, well, you know, I should go to East Indonesia where there's less uh, well-known brands and he can, and he can conquer the market there. And he's, he, he gains a lot of success from that way of thinking, you know? So definitely think about other part of Indonesia because that's where the untapped market are. And also for auto spectre, right? For auto spectre, used car seller from, let's say in Maluku or in Kalimantan, they buy cars from Jakarta, right? Because this is the center, they buy cars from Jakarta and they sold there for a high margin. And that's something also that we're thinking about. If we can create this trust and people from Kalimantan or Sumatra, they can buy a car from Jakarta, knowing that it's been inspected by Prospector and it has the warranty protection, we can get the needs there for more cars and kind of streamline the process, I would say. Autospector is really doing something special to transform the whole youth car experience for all Indonesians. What's your secret sauce in you know, transforming this uh, buying, inspection, and overall experience for Indonesians? What we're trying to provide or what we're trying to do is give uh, peace of mind, basically, when buying a used car. Because when you see um, more developed countries like the U.S., they have regular inspections mandated by the government, for instance, like one, a yearly inspection. It's not, it's not like that in Indo. Right. In the UK, for instance, I talked to one of my friends in the UK and he told me if you buy a used car in the UK and the car broke down in like three months, there is a law that allows you to return that to the dealer. And there is no law like that in Indo, right? The used car market is unregulated, virtually unregulated, right? So you need a independent and trusted company that helps you weed out the, the, the good car from the crappy car. We want to provide that, like I told you, like my, my, my brother, he never buys a used car because he's afraid. We want to solve that trust issue, you know? And people think, oh, these used car dealers are scammers. And I found that that's not, the, that's not right, right? And we, be, we can become the, the trusted bridge between the used car buyer and seller and make that transaction happen a lot more safe and convenient. Why are you most excited to continue building at Autospector in the coming year? We're really excited because we have become the, the number one inspection service. We are starting to gain trust from these used car dealers, independent used car dealers. And these used car dealers, they basically dominate the used car market in uh, Based on our research, it's around 80% comes from, from these dealers, right? 
Once we build this, our dealer network, and we can build a platform where people can buy used cars, certified used cars, and it's uh, protected by warranty. And I'm really excited to, to build that platform and give people uh, assurance when they buy used car. Could you share any success stories that you've heard or customer testimonials? Um, there are many, and that's definitely something that kept me going at the start when it was really, really hard, right? One of the things that I learned, you know, like I watched this uh, Jeff Bezos of Amazon interview. When you build a company, you should focus on your customer, be customer focused, and always build, try to build your product based on your customer feedback. And that's what I did. So I always, even before there was no like customer service uh, staff, I, I used to do all the customer survey because I want to know how people, what's their experience, right? And that definitely helps me. Like, let's say one customer from Kalimantan, you know, he bought a car from Jakarta without even looking at it. He just trusted the inspection service. And then he, he ordered a inspector, got the report on the email. Once he saw the report, it looks good. And he got the one month warranty. He just had the car shipped to Kalimantan and it saves him, I don't know, millions of rupees, you know, like at the time he, it took to, for him to like fly back and forth, you know, and the money and he, he got his dream car. And that's definitely very, very satisfying. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey, for sharing your story. I think so many people are really lucky to have your service uh, and help them de-risk such a risky purchase and also help them be able to travel between family and work.